0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, hello. Welcome in the box. This is Thomas working with you flying solo today. Uh, going to be our last show here for a bit as we're going to take an extended break. We'll get into that more in the second, uh, second hour of the show. But, uh, I do want to welcome you to In the Box here. I'm Thomas. Again, like I said, flying solo. Uh, Normally with Walt Barnes, we had an opportunity to uh, get together for a hockey game this week, so we'll talk a little bit about that and the Red Wings week that was in our second bit. But let's go ahead and dive right in to some news and notes around the NHL. Let's first start off actually by wishing everybody a very happy new year. I hope everybody had a very safe Christmas and happy new year. Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, hope it was good, safe, happy, and healthy, and you're dreading going back to work tomorrow if you haven't already. So, (laughs) Let's go ahead and dive in. We'll go back to last Sunday, which is kind of the remnants of the remaining part of that Dallas Star situation where one of their CEOs comes out and says that uh, their two best players, Jimmy Ben, Tyler, Sagan, playing like horse bleep. And I just think it's more fun to say horse bleep. So I'm just going to say horse bleep as the light or excuse me, as the stars dealing with that in just kind of an odd situation. Because let's face it, those two guys still leading the team. I think I saw first and third on the team in scoring. But an unhappy CEO um, whose name I've got here somewhere, uh, maybe I don't have it here somewhere, but that was uh, just kind of a weird situation. Um, There. Jim Neal came out. The Stars GM said that he obviously doesn't condone the language or the tone that was used to describe Jimmy Ben and Tyler Sagan. Um, Right after that, the Stars owner Tom uh, Gagliardi told uh, Elliott Friedman that no one would be traded or fired in the wake of the comments and that the team's best players must perform as such. Now, to credit Tyler Sagan, a a kid that was removed from Boston and by removed, I mean traded from Boston uh, for... Potential or believed to be attitude issues. Jamie Ben or uh, Tyler Sagan comes out and says he admit didn't like it, but obviously admits to hearing the message and knows that his he and his mates have to be better. As the stars have actually climbed into, I believe as of last Sunday they had climbed into a, a playoff spot. They had actually taken a wild card position over down there in the Western Conference, and as it stands now, they're actually sitting third in the Central. So who knows? Maybe the message got got through here. Six, three, and one in their last ten. Two wins. In a row, and they get a two-one victory over Washington back on Friday night. So, again, good stuff for the Dallas Stars. I guess using it as a lightning uh, rod to kind of to 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 get it going. Um, it was great for the Red Wings because they had to play the Stars right after that, and uh, the Stars took out their angst and anger on the Red Wings in a five-to-one victory um, over the Detroit Red Wings on a game that it, I don't know if it was even really that close. Dallas was just fired up and ready to go and they uh, came out and uh, took it to Detroit. Uh, this was actually last uh, Saturday, I believe it was. So yeah, well thanks for that. And So that was, the comments came out Saturday. The All of that on Sunday was kind of reported around the league. NHL PA uh, Players Association President and Spokesman Jim Little, uh, Jim Lights comments that the commented that the uh, comments were reckless and insulting. And he brought up a good point that, you know, I don't know if people have thought of. Could you imagine if if um, Sagan and Ben had said that things about ownership? And I mean, we kind of got that a little bit with the Ottawa situation. And, you know, I feel like that was a lot more. I don't want to say difficult, but it just became a bigger deal with the players down there in Ottawa for saying what uh, criticizing and critiquing their coaches, both assistant and head coaches, than in the Uber ride, than this in kind of a, a shoot your mouth off kind of moment. So that's a little bit interesting. It's a great point too to see, you know, is there a double standard? And there's probably is, but I guess that's just what you get for being a player, which is terrible to say, but. Uh, I again, no firings were going to be reported, so I guess everybody there in Dallas is going to be staying there. Um, Gary Bettman was asked to comment on the situation; he declined. But on Monday, the Stars were given a little bit of of good news, actually, as they were awarded the twenty twenty Winter Classic game going to be played at the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl, where the annual, obviously, Cotton Bowl is played. Actually, has the Cotton Bowl moved to Jerry World? The Cotton World Cotton Bowl may have moved to Jerry World, but annually the Texas Oklahoma game played at the Cotton Bowl, and word is that the the Stars are going to be able to get uh pick their opponent for the game. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say St. Louis, just because I feel like that's Dallas kind of enemy. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that. Could be basing that on um you know nothing, but uh yeah, I'm going to go with uh the the probability that they're going to be going up against the St. Louis Blues. Just uh, call it a hunch on that so we'll keep we'll keep an eye on on that moving forward. Injury report from last Sunday, Dustin Bufflin said to miss four weeks with a lower body injury. He took a hit from the Wilds Luke Coonan, and uh, the jets are gonna be out without one of their best defensemen, uh, Dustin Bufflin. Luckily, they are very deep at the point, but still nothing nothing like having big buff in the lineup, and they are gonna have to deal without him uh, play on without him for the next four weeks. Also, a lot of deals went down, and Edmonton being at the center of all of them, actually, as the Panthers sent Alex Petrovic to Edmonton for Weidman in a third-round pick. Uh, this was uh, Chris Weidman, who was just acquired by the Panthers in... Um, I should excuse me, I should say, just acquired by the Oilers um, in November with a deal with the Senators. He then gets flipped, flipped to Alex Petrovic to bring in one new defenseman, and then the Oilers traded Drake... Uh, Kigula uh, and Jason Garrison to Chicago from Brandon Manning and a uh, prospect Robin Norrell. Kegula uh, coming into his own a little bit uh, played a little bit with McDavid and Settle this year. 7-4 and 11 and 29 games played. Not bad at all. It's, the Hawks got to be looking for scoring depth anywhere they can get it from. And Jason Garrison actually is kind of one of those odd players that just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Jason Garrison was in a, on a Vancouver team. I'm Where I feel like he just was um, really, really good and one of the top four defensemen logging like 21 minutes a night. I don't remember there being an injury or anything like that. And then it just kind of fell apart for Garrison. He was drafted by Vegas, um, was very little used, and, you know, the actually – report here is that the Hawks tried to place Garrison on unconditional waivers after the defenseman failed to to report to the AHL which is where he's going to be sent down. So the 34-year-old white rock uh canada native might already be uh heading to a new team as he refused to report to the minors. Again, Garrison, to look at his career stats here. One of those players that yeah, back in uh back in 16-17 played 70 games with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Averaged 18 minutes a night, one goal, nine assists. Um, back in Florida in 2011-2012, in 77 games, he had 16 goals. Um, for a good part of his late 20s, averaged 20 minutes a night. Um, then let's see here in 15, 16, 18, 28 went up in 16, 17, but then 17, 18 with Vegas only played in eight games with 1904 of ice time on average. And the Oilers were only using them under 13 minutes a night in the 17 games he played. So, uh, kind of things fall off quickly there for Jason Garrison. And now he, uh, might be, is it probably in the process of being bought out by the Chicago Blackhawks after the deal and a failure to report. Another deal was swung by the Oilers. Um, again, going, I should say, going the the Oilers' way was Brandon Manning, the former flyer, who was actually for, used to be public enemy number one in Edmonton because he broke Connor McDavid's um, collarbone back during McDavid's rookie season, causing him to miss the, the second half of it um, on a hit that at the time was deemed very um, illegal or that was deemed very uh, uh, questionable. Um, the two went back and forth in the media uh, with uh, throwing classless out there as the hit was classless, and then I think Garrison said that uh, McDavid calling the hit classless was ca- classless. So I know you are what, and what am I? Game playing between those two, but Manning uh, traded now to the Oilers, and McDavid actually called a, called Manning to bury the hatchet. Manning and appreciated it. Came out and said, you know, when you get a call from a guy like McDavid to to settle a settle something like that, now that you're teammates, and that's uh. It's a good thing. And it, it definitely is. As the Oilers still, I just, it feels like the Oilers and the Hawks, Flyers a little bit in there too, seems to be making some sort of transaction every week, tinkering here and there, trying to find the perfect sort of response. As, as Edmonton has had, had kind of had that uh, beat up blue line, um, which was came out on Monday, the trades were not a knee jerk reaction. But as they're playing without Clefbaum and others, they just they feel that the two uh, guys they're bringing in. Manning and Weidman are, excuse me, Manning and Petrovic are good, solid puck-moving defensemen that they feel can can eat up some big minutes here. So, the Oilers, again, currently, I believe they are on the outside looking in on the playoffs. Uh, yeah, they're sitting uh, four points out of a playoff spot right now. They uh have only played 41 games. Those who keep that in mind right now. Anaheim has got the second wild card with 45 points, 42 games, Edmonton in 41 has 41. So still, still in it. Still plenty of time here to get it going here. If the Oilers can get healthy and get the right roster figured out, maybe stay with the same roster for a while, but be interesting to see what comes from those moves. Also on Monday was announced that Yuri Laterra is, was going to be charged in a drug case, um, That from a drug ring that began or occurred in the uh, in Finland, Laterra was found with eight grams of cocaine, but has not yet been been um, penalized by the league. He's still traveling with the Flyers. Um, Excuse me. Yes, still traveling with the Flyers. Sorry, and he maintains his innocence in the whole thing. He's one of twenty individuals involved in this Finnish. drug circle whatever it ends up being um and latera is the prosecutor said that they're looking for six months i believe is is what i had read that he could be serving that they look to make a uh, have latera serve six months if convicted of the crimes um latera was famously traded for brayton shen in a deal that uh walt will frequently tell you was just awful <laughs> And uh, given this situation now, I I don't know if you can really uh, argue with that and what uh, Latera is dealing with. He is a uh, Philadelphia Flyer so far in the season in 24 games, one goal, two assists, three points. His rookie year was actually his best year back in uh, 14-15, a 27-year-old rookie, uh, 14 goals, 30 assists, 44 points, and plus 21 with St. Louis back in 75, and so far he has kind of hit the skids since then, and now he could be in a lot of trouble, legal trouble. Um, So we'll see how that story plays itself out. Also on Monday, we had the NHL announced their – actually, before we get to that, let's go here first. Jack Eichel left the game early versus Buffalo Sabres game versus the Islanders. Um, He was questionable for the game anyway as he had mispracticed the day before Um, word came down on Thursday that he'll miss at least the next two. So that was Monday's game he left early, and then Thursday it came down that he'll miss the next two. But in that same game, um, a game that the Islanders would end up beating the Sabres 3-1, Barry Trotz moved into fourth all-time in wins in the NHL. It was his win number 783 at the time. Uh, so congratulations to Barry Trotz. I believe fifty-five years old. I believe I saw maybe. Me, let's see. That may or may not be right. But like I said, so seven hundred and eighty-three wins, um, so far in his uh, career that puts him as fourth, and he is about thirty behind Ken Hitchcock. But Ken Hitchcock's also increasing his total as he is still an active player. So. He might not he might he might not uh quite catch Hitchcock this year, but uh Hitchcock, I believe, has a few years on trots. Yeah, Barry Trot's currently 56 years old. So if he coaches till he's 70 and gets about 35 to 40 wins per year, he will end up catching number one all time. He needs four hundred and sixty-one more wins to catch the great probably the greatest coach in the history of the NHL, Scotty Bowman. But again, uh Ken Hitchcock is third with eight thirty-two. Trots, uh, like we said, 30, 40, 50, but roughly 50 games behind him. So at some point, he, he is likely to catch Ken Hitchcock. Now let's get to the three stars. This was of the week prior. This was the short week, really, the, the, the Christmas week where, again, love what the NHL does. Do not make players and teams put a, a league-free shutdown from the 24th through the 26th. So a lot of teams only playing two games that week. The third star of that week with seventy, uh, getting seventy-seven of seventy-nine shots on goal was Devils goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood. His first two NHL wins, and one of them included a shootout, or excuse me, a sh- uh, shutout win over the Carolina Hurricanes. Second one on the list was Matthew Barzell. He was the second star of the week, a five-one and six-point week as he had in just the two games played. He had a hat trick himself in a game against Winnipeg Jets. And then the number 1 star, Patrick Kane, had the same line as Barzell, a 5-1 in 6-week. He had scored a hat-trick in a game against the Wild, but he also had two game-winning goals, which I think probably gave him the nod over the aforementioned Barzell. So let's uh, move it along now to Tuesday around the league here. Ottawa got a rare piece of good news. Mike Stone looking to extend his contract with them. He's currently on a one-year $7.35 million deal. Um, he could not, um, begin to negotiate a new contract until after January 1st. And he expected negotiations to begin within the next couple of weeks. And you got to feel like stone, a big piece of whatever Ottawa is going to get going their way. Uh, this was, uh, obviously Tuesday being, uh, what was Tuesday? Tuesday was new year's day. So probably part of the reason why that, that report came out. At the time, he had 18 goals, 25 assists, 43 points in 40 games. Obviously, better than a point-per-game player. And it'll be good for Ottawa to kind of get that number on stone because they have to figure out what, they need to do, what they're need what they going to do with unrestricted free agents this summer, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle. So it'll be good for them if they can get um him, get him locked up to a long-term deal so they know what that cap number is going to look like. Also announced on Tuesday the All-Star Game, next year's All-Star Game, going to St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis Blues, uh, going to be hosting the 2020 All-Star Game. I would expect that at some point we're going to be hearing about Little Caesars Arena hosting the NHL All-Star Game. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised that it wasn't even this year, um, knowing very well that they like to get teams into new stadiums, but or, or, or like the big games, I should say, into new stadiums, but as of yet, Little Caesar Arena not yet hosting the All-Star game but you get the feeling it'll be coming any any year now. There was uh, obviously an outdoor game on New Year's Eve, the Winter Classic. I believe it was the 11th Bridgestone Winter Classic and Sean Corelli led the Bruins to a 4 to 2 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. Um he actually I believe also cashed in with our uh, the, the play, big play in the game for me, well late in the game actually was the Correlli scored late in the game but um, before that, when the or after that, I should say, Chicago wins a faceoff in the offensive zone, and they kind of too loose on the puck. They try to drop back to the point. where the defenseman was moving away from the middle, and that left a clear cut two on zero for the uh, Bruins with an empty net. Brad Marchand, of course, he did um, would score in the empty net. That would make it four to two and put that one away as the outdoor game um, would go to the Bruins. Um, the Bruins also. Um, with that win, um, or excuse me, one of the highlights that came out of that game, I should say, at, at Notre Dame Stadium was the Fighting Irish mascot having a rough go getting out of the box, shall we say. So uh, if you haven't seen that, go ahead, take a, take a YouTube, take a Google clip of uh, the Notre Dame Leprechaun trying to hit the ice in uh, a game there that didn't quite work out well for him. He also, uh, the Fighting Irish themselves ended up on that same ice against Michigan later in the week, and then didn't work out for well them for them well in that game either. But we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. Also, award talked about on New Year's Eve, the NHL is talking about a nighttime Winter Classic to be played in the state of Florida, which kind of makes sense because Tampa and Florida are two of the eight clubs that have not played in an outdoor game yet, and including those eight. As the stars, so next year they're good. They're going to be down to seven teams that have not yet played an outdoor game. Two of them being in Florida. Maybe you put them in a game against each other. Now you're down to five. So, um, kind of a kind of a fun fact for you there. It'd be interesting to see maybe a doubleheader winner Classic. Wouldn't hate that where you get the one game at one and then the night game in Florida at eight. Um, I've heard of worse ideas. Of course, you know bowl season. You're going up against college football, so I don't know how much how strongly you want to uh, test the league but uh, and the bowl season. But still, interesting sort of uh, thing to see how that's going to play itself out and see if we're heading to Florida for a Winter Classic soon enough. Uh, let's see here. That was the only news and notes on Tuesday. Let's head to Wednesday. And Wednesday, the All-Star game, All-Star uh, rosters were announced. Let's go ahead and run through there. Again, it's the three-on-three uh, format. So... Uh, not not very overwhelming, overly big rosters, but still very um, just some of the game's best going at it. It will start in the Atlantic to be coached by Lightning coach John Cooper. Their forwards that they have, the six forwards, David Pasternak, Jack Eichel, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares. Defensively, Keith Yandel of the Panthers and Thomas Chabot of the Senators get the nod. And Red Wings own Jimmy Howard getting the nod net to go along with Carey Price, uh, we'll be see. It'll be interesting to see if Price ends up playing in that. As it came out that he's been dealing with, or said that he has had an injury for the last seven weeks that he has been dealing with. So uh, Price may or may not be actually involved in the game. The vote in competition. Each of the, the divisions also have a vote in an extra player, and so the guys available for the vote in each one player per team, and. Uh, Bergeron for the Bruins, Skinner for the Sabers, Larkin for the Red Wings, who I think really should have been in an, an All Star. The problem is I don't know who he should have gone over those six forwards. So hopefully he'll get the vote in. Um, Alex Barkov, Shea Weber, Mark Stone, Braden Point from the Lightning, and Morgan Riley for the Leafs. And I believe uh Austin Matthews, Mar- Riley's teammate, came out and said that he would actually give up his All Star position. Due to the great season that Riley has, but he did not make the NHL All Star team. So again, could could be a situation there where Riley backdoors his way into a spot in the All Star game. In the Metro Division, Todd Reardon of the Caps will be the coach. They will have Sebastian Aho, Cam Atkinson, Tyler Hall, uh, excuse me, Taylor Hall, Matthew Barzell, Claude Giroux, and Sidney Crosby will be their forwards. John Carlson and Seth Jones will be their defensemen. Henrik Lundqvist and Braden Holtby to be their net miners. The extra players up for vote in that division, Tara Vinen, Foglino, Foglino, uh, Palmieri of the Devils, Anders Lee of the Islanders, Zuccarello, Voracek, Latang, and Backstrom will be the extra men in for the Metropolitan Division. In the Central Division, um, really not much of a surprise uh, as Patrick Kane and Nathan McKinnon, Get the nod with Miko Rantanen, Ryan O'Reilly, Blake Wheeler, and Mark Shifley. Dallas uses young defenseman Miro and will be one of the defensemen, Roman Yossi the other. Devin Dubnik and Pika Rene will be the Netminders. Uh if I didn't mention it, Paul Maurice of the Jets will be the coach. And the players that could be voted in. How about this lineup of guys that could be voted in? This 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 team right here, or this group of forwards, could probably win win this competition. Taves, Landeskog, Sagan, Parisi, Forsberg, Tarasenko, and Line a. I mean, that's as dangerous as any lineup that the Central has. But uh, that's going to be a t- tough choice, but a big uh, add-on to their roster. And finally, we'll finish off in the Pacific, where Bill Peters of the Flames will be the coach. Um, Clayton Keller, Johnny Goudreau, Connor McDavid, Joe Pavelski, Elias Pettersson will be the forwards. Hopefully, Patterson will be healthy enough to be able to go for the Kings um, or go to represent the Kings. Three of the league's best, Dowdy, Burns, and Carlson, will be the defensemen. John Gibson and Mark andre Fleury, the netminders. The extra skater or the, the guys up for vote will be Getzlaw from the Ducks, uh, Ekman Larson, Giordano from the Flames, Drysaddle, Kopitar, Couture, Brock Bozer, and Jonathan Marchessault from the Vegas Golden Knights rounding out. The potential All Star voting teams and the All Star teams that are all all players in the All Star game that are already locked in. Um, Devils and Stars played this week, and I believe it's the second or third game in a row where we have uh, Miles Wood going up against Jamie Ben. This time it was actually Jamie uh, Wood that had an open ice hit that kind of looked legal for the most part um it looked like he kept the shoulder down um i believe the replay i saw was actually of the stars broadcast and they even came out and said that um yeah that they you know that it looked like that it was a good clean hit of course there was always um a uh a melee that it's uh that 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 broke out after the fact i believe ben did stay in the game or if he missed he did return to the lineup later on uh in the week so that's good to see also we're going to be cutting in for instant updates for you here as we have an update right now from Detroit as the, the Wings are currently playing the Washington Capitals down at Little Caesars Arena. And early on now with uh, 12-10 to go in the first period, Washington on top 1-0. nothing. Tom Wilson's 12th from Evgeny Kuznetsov at 6-57. Um, Washington has eight shots so far. Detroit only with three as the Wings and the Capitals going at it downtown at Little Caesars. Um, so, again, just keep an eye out anytime that Stars and the Devils playing. You're probably going to see something between Jamie Benn and Miles Wood. So keep that in mind. If you, if you happen to see on an, an NHL app or something else, Stars, Devils, tune in. Uh, anything can happen on that. Also, on Wednesday, the new year, that was uh, the second it was announced the, the Player or rookie of the month for December and the three stars for the month of December. No surprise here, the rookie of the month of December was Elias Pettersson of the um, Vancouver Canucks. I beg your pardon. He scored six goals, 11 assists, 17 points in 14 games. He was also the rookie of the month in October, and my guess is he probably would have been the rookie of the month in November if he did not, in fact, uh, be injured and miss a good portion of the games in November. So Vancouver, they've got themselves a player there in Pedersen, and he has been fantastic so far. Later on this week, he he did get hurt in a game against Montreal, which we'll get into a little bit more later on. But he also netted his first career hat trick, so he started out in January nice and hot as well. Now on to the three stars of the month. The third star was Connor McDavid. 8, 16, 24 points in 13 games played. He also had a career... Uh, uh, a pair of career mi- milestones, becoming the ninth player in league history to reach the 300 point mark, which he did December 13th at Winnipeg, and the sixth player at the NHL history to hit the 200 assist plateau, which he did um, against Tampa on the 22nd prior to their 21st birthday. So that, or to his 22nd birthday, I beg your pardon. So two. Two uh, pretty good milestones hit: 300 points, 200 assists, all before your 22nd birthday, and a month where McDavid scored 24 points in 13 games, eight and 16. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, that's what the the what can be drawn from that. Second star of the week: Johnny Goudreau, who put a put a show on against the Red Wings here in Hockey Town uh, down at Little Caesars. Uh, I believe that was Wednesday of this week. He was named the star, one of the stars of the month, as he had eleven goals, fifteen assists, twenty-six points in fourteen games. And then, like I said, he came out and I think he put up a four spot or three spot in points against the Wings that night. Team was nine, three, and two in the month of December to help the Flames rise to, I believe, they were the division leaders, um, and they still currently are sitting at atop the Pacific Division. So, good week for them to be sure. As the Flames, who Actually, pardon the pun, flamed out last week, but uh, or last month, uh-huh. but, Uh huh. but he was out uh, red hot and very, very good, Johnny Goudreau, in the month of December. The number one star of the month was Nikita Kucherov, though, and it just... An unbelievably impressive month. Nine goals, 21 assists, 30 points in 14 games, helping to lead the Lightning to a 13-0-1 month of December. That was in the middle of a 16-game point streak that the Sharks ended this week, but the Lightning just staying white hot um, up until that loss against the Sharks in regulation. And the last player to have a 30-point month, get this, uh, Yarmir Yager back in March of 2001 and what he was probably, I don't know what, he was probably 43 at the time then. So Yager uh, was the last player to do so and elite company joined there as uh, Nikita Kucherov continues to be a strong, strong player here for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Also, there was kind of a, a mild deal in the NHL. I don't know if it's really going to end up really shaking up either team, but Ottawa traded Tom Pyatt and goalie Mike McKenna to Vancouver for Darren Archibald and Anders Nilsson. Nilsson was the primary backup in Vancouver. Um, and so they actually had their backup in, in, the, in their game against Toronto yesterday. Um, their, their new backup. So at the end of a very long, long road string for the, the Canucks. So they, they deal Nilsson and McKenna trading um, goaltenders, trading backup positions, In Canada, as McKinnon heads to Vancouver and Nilsson heads to Ottawa, that was our news and notes through Wednesday. Let's move it on to Thursday now, as there was a vote of confidence in New Jersey, as John Hayes, uh, Haynes was is who was in the last year of his deal, fourth season with the Devils, signed a two year contract extension. He's the team's second time, second all time winningest coach, and led the Devils to the playoffs last year. They were bounced quickly by the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I don't think anybody really expected that team to make any sort of run to the playoffs. So I think it's a, a big credit to them, uh, or credit to him to be able to get that squad into the postseason last year. They've kind of fallen on tough times this year, but uh, they need more than Taylor Hall offensively. That's There's no coaching that can get them around. Hall and Palmieri really is, are, are the two big guys there. I mentioned earlier it was Thursday that uh, Matthews came out and said he'd be given, he'd be happy to give up his all-star spot to Morgan Riley. So we just want to let you in on when that actually came down. Injury troubles. Also, you know, we talked about the goaltender trades between Vancouver and, uh, Vancouver and Ottawa just a moment ago, goaltending problems in Toronto as Garrett Sparks, uh, Gareth Sparks, I beg your pardon, out for concussion and, uh, Anderson, uh, Anderson, out for a groin, both goaltenders down, unable to play. Michael Hutchinson and uh Casmir were called up to serve in an afternoon game, midweek game, Thursday against the Minnesota Wild. It was a game that the uh Hutchinson would end up getting both starts this season or in the in the week here as they would he would get uh, again both starts he'd lose four to three to the wild but beat vancouver five to nothing as vancouver again as i mentioned had uh was out didn't play and they were on a very long i think it was a six game road trip that was the last game before they get back home so you could tell that there there was not a lot on the tank if you flip through and watch some of that game last night on the cbc um, Hutchinson had made four starts this season. Prior to that, um, for the Florida Panthers, he was traded on December 29th over to the Leafs. And Casacuso, who you feel like the Leafs really don't want to have to use, in 11 games for the Marlies, three, five, and one with a six, excuse me, eight sixty-six safe percentage. So Hutchinson probably going to get the majority of the work here um, in that uh, in Toronto while they await their two standard net miners and hope that they can get healthy. It was Thursday that Pedersen did get hurt in a game against Montreal that kept him out of uh, Saturday's game in Toronto. Him and Kotokanemi got all tied up, and it was just an awkward fall. didn't look—I mean, Kotokanemi got a bit of a hook-in that was kind of an odd play, but that was not deemed illegal. Um, this So there wasn't a hooking call coming on the play, but it ended up leading to um, just an awkward collision between the two, and, and Pedersen's knee took a— Took a weird report. It was reported la- or took a weird turn. It was reported last night, though, on hockey night in Canada, that Pedersen's uh, MRI came back negative. He's going to miss at least a week or two, but at least it's not anything season ending, which is uh, good for Vancouver and good for Pedersen, who should pretty much win that uh, Calder and just needs to continue to play to be able to win it as he on base already Lock it up milestone on Thursday as Alex Ovechkin would get his 30 would hit the 30 goal mark 14 straight 30 goal seasons to st- begin a career that is unbelievable accomplishment for Ovechkin he is now one behind one season behind Mike Gartner who began his career with 15 straight 30 goal campaigns um, and then Yarmir Yager had a streak of 15 years as well, but that was not to start a career. So it gives you the rarefied air that a 14, 15 year, 30 goal stretch has, can provide you. Meanwhile, just keep this in the back of your mind. I believe the last 30 goal scorer for the Red Wings, Marian Hossa back in 09. Meanwhile, Washington has had at least Alex Ovechkin scoring 30 for 15 or 14 straight years. Also, Nikita Kucherov, who, again, we mentioned a player of the month in December, keeps it rolling in January, gets .400 as part of a 4.9 night in a 6-2 victory over the Los Angeles Kings. That'll take us up to Friday, where... You know, there's talk about Ottawa and the and the the Senators and ongoing and read impasse, um, impasse, and what's going to happen. Well, Ardel came out that uh, well, I'm just going to read this verbatim to you here. The trio of entities involved in the Ottawa Senators ongoing arena impasse will head to mediation to try to salvage a bid for the new downtown facility. GBA Development and Project Management President uh, Graham Bird was able to get the three parties, including Senators own, owner Eugene Melnick's. Capital Sports Management and Trinity Group's uh, Trinity Development Group's John Buddy to agree to uh, mediation, according to the Canadian press. Bird did that on Friday, which is when he also filed a statement of defense against Melnick's lawsuit. Melnick is suing the Trinity Group and Bird for $700 million over the Libertans Flats project, which he deemed a failed venture in November. Mediation with members of Rendezvous Le Breton. I don't know if it's Le Breton, but I'm going to say it Le Breton because it's Rendezvous. With Rendezvous Le Breton is scheduled to take place before a January 19th deadline imposed by the National Capital Commission for the parties to reach an agreement. The Crown Corporation will look into other options if no agreement is reached before the deadline, and the senators have played in the Canadian Tire Center in Can- uh, Canada, Ontario, since 1966. So. Maybe some movement going on in Ottawa there is some of the uncertainty of their arena that, you know, when when they made their run to the cup finals a couple of years back, we always joked about how, yeah, they didn't even have, um, what do they, they didn't didn't have a sellout and tickets were going for as low as $75 in the conference finals to get into the building. So maybe a new building on its way for the um, Ottawa Senators. Also on Friday, had a couple of milestones. How about this one? Thomas Vanek right here in Detroit. Gets get, plays game 1,000. He would uh, also help as the Wings would beat the Predators. He would score in the game as the Wings would need overtime to beat the National Predators by a score of 4-3. to three. Drew Stafford would play in game 800, and he would end up getting the shootout victory, uh, shootout winning goal as the Devils would beat the uh, Arizona Coyotes. And the Pittsburgh Penguins pulling it together here now as they won their eighth straight in a victory over the Winnipeg Jets. Pittsburgh, who for a good long while was out of the playoffs and for a period of time actually below the wings, they have now moved up to second in the Metro, and they are tied with the Capitals, with uh, the Capitals playing a game in hand right now, obviously, against Detroit. And actually Pittsburgh plays tonight, too. So at the end of the day, there will still be that game in hand for the Capitals. But both teams with 52 points, Columbus currently sitting right there with 51. And how about this? The Atlantic finally back to what, what, what was predicted all along. Tampa, Toronto, Boston, one, two, three. Sabres haven't gone far. They've fallen to the second wild card. Kind of a tough, tough year for them or a tough year to be getting good for them, I should say. Buffalo 22-14-6 and six, and 50 points, and that's only good for the second wildcard spot. Meanwhile, if you look at the West, the second wildcard spot, only 45 points. So a little bit of a difference between the con- uh, conferences there, but um, as long as Eichel can get back to action soon, uh, you got to like the chances of the Sabres, especially if Skinner continues to score. We had an oldie and a goodie come, come back as Fox Sports West used the glow puck. How great is that? Boy, I was looking for highlights of that. It was how wonderful to see that glow puck come back. The old Fox standout where you could uh, shots over 80 miles an hour or 90 miles an hour glowing red, and the puck looked like it was in the third row constantly. It was fantastic, fantastic nostalgia. Awful, I mean, in how it looks for sure, but fantastic nostalgia. Uh, was brought out and the Kings did not disappoint as they would give the TV viewers a four to nothing win in that game. Um, big injury on that was reported on Saturday as Nikolai Ehlers will be out until mid February with an upper body injury. Twenty seven points uh, in forty games it's a little bit under uh, the normal produ- production for Ehlers. Um, and he was hurt in a game in that same game against the Pens uh, the night before, where the Pens got their winning streak to eight games. Also, wanna, worth mentioning that the IIHF president Rene Fassel would like to see future events held on the smaller ice services, the NHL ice services. Our goal, I'm quoting from him here, our goal would be that in Beijing in 2020, if. If ice hockey's there, we will play on the small ice. And in Finland in 20, 2022, we will play on the small ice at our world championships. Um, obviously, the world championships or the, the world junior championships this weekend. And I'd be remiss if I did not at least mention, um, as Walt, who loves this tournament, eats it up, um, would not be mentioned. The Finns getting the victory over the Americans uh, Finland would jump out to a 2-0 lead in the about, I think it was midway through the third period. The Americans would answer with back-to-back goals amount um, two minutes apart in the middle of that period to tie the game. But a late goal by the Finns would give them the 3-2 victory and the gold medal in the World Juniors. Uh, the uh, silver medal, obviously, to the Americans. And the finally, the bronze medal to the Russians who returned to the medal stand. Also, one more thing we want to mention is I believe it was yesterday, the uh, the ice that was used in the Winter Classic was put to use again as the University of Michigan would head to South Bend, and Notre Dame and Michigan would play in an outdoor game, and it was a big, big bounce, literally, that led Michigan, helped Michigan, lead Michigan to a 4-2 to victory, and also back-to-back goals. Um, off that big bounce as it started with the Wolverines offense getting a job uh, getting the job done let's see I want to get the name right uh, who did it who did it who did it uh, let's see it was Joseph Sicconi's uh, shot from about 160 feet that took a funny bounce just before it reached Cole Morris or Kale Morris to make it a I believe at the time that made it 1-0 Michigan less than 5 minutes in And then Michigan would be able to get a second goal. Uh, Will Lockwood would score 16 seconds later to make it 2-0. And Michigan would be on their way. Morris ended up settling down and finished with 38 saves. Um, Excuse me. um, In the game, Michigan would actually take a 3-0 lead on uh, Nolan Moyle's uh, goal midway through the first. And the 4-0, the, excuse me. <clears throat> the 3 0 lead would hold as Michigan would get the victory there at a score of 4 2. Notre Dame did cut the lead 3 2, obviously, with 248 remaining before Michigan sophomore uh, Dakota Rabe at an empty net goal with 11 seconds left. And that was how we got to the 4 2 final. The attendance announced in that one 23,422 in the outdoor game between the Irish and the Notre Dame, uh, the Irish of Notre Dame and the Michigan Wolverines. It was Michigan's first victory since November 16th, and I believe they came into the year as a number 4 team in the land. So, rough year for the Wolverines. Folks, that's going to pretty much sum up the first half of the show, but do have one quick announcement to make before they get there. Another goal down there in Detroit, as this one scored by Anthony Mantha with 2.08 to go in the first period. Mantha with an unassisted goal, his 10th. At 14:08, that gives the Red Wings the equalizing goal against the Washington Capitals after eight to three shot advantage early for the Caps. Now 12-9, much more respectable. And as you would expect, because they just seems to have done it all year, Detroit winning 52% of the faceoffs. Well, that's a little misleading. They've won nine, the Caps have won eight. So we'll keep you going, uh, keep you updated on that one in the second half hour of the show. That is when we will talk about. Also, the Wings week that was. So, folks, thank you so much for joining us here on our, our last for just a little bit here on In the Box. Going to come back and, as I said, take a look at the upcoming Red Wings schedule. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back after this important timeout. The Great Prince left us too soon. Welcome back to In the Box. I'm Thomas, flying solo today. gonna uh, be our last show for a little bit. We'll get to that in just a little bit. First, let's go ahead and get to the week that was for the Detroit Red Wings. And, you know, really what what we saw this week is <clears throat> um, you know, youth. <laughs> uh, trouble holding leads and, and, and the inability to hold leads really is a sign of I think youth teams that that don't that still have a lot of learning and a lot of growing to do and that's what we saw this week from Detroit as in two games they had big leads uh, two goal leads but were unable to hold them hold on to them for victories. Um, First, we're going to take you back to New Year's Eve against Florida. Again, things started out great. Andreas Athanasiou finally got off the schneid. That was almost just as important as anything else, seeing Athanasiou score. He gets his 13th from Witkowski and Cronwell, and the Red Wings are off and running. That came at 553 at 1728. Gustav Nyquist gets his 10th from Larkin and Abdelkader. Is Nyquist's outstanding season, and it really has been. 43 games, 35 points. I mean, think about that. That basically puts him on points for six, uh, on pace for 65 points on the year. Nyquist. Nyquist. Yeah, I mean it. Got his 10th from, again, Larkin from Nablocator, 17-28 the time of that one. And less than a minute later, Vanek would score from Franz Nielsen and Tyler Bertuzzi. And, oh, boy, Wings off and running. 3-0 our score. After that first period of play, shots were 8-8, but Detroit off and running. And then the second period. Detroit gets outshot by a total of 14-2, and Florida will tie the game up. McCann gets his seventh, shorthanded, um, from Lomico and Physic. That came in 6 six nineteen, and again, shorthanded goal. Okay, only 3-1, to nothing to worry about. Well, 12-11, Borgstrom would score from Vetrano and Inkblad. And 3-2, okay, come on, let's just get the next one, we'll be okay. And Hauerlach would get his third of the year. From Sevier, who I believe had back-to-back hat-tricks in his last game against the Wings in Dallas and his first game as a Panther, um, would assist on that goal by Harlick at 15-15, and yeah, we were tied, 3-3. No scoring in the third period, nothing in overtime. Detroit would outshoot the Panthers in the final 25 minutes, the third period and overtime, by a total of 10-5. Out shooting Florida, ending up only getting 20 shots, though, in the entire hockey game. You're not going to win a lot of hockey games doing that. Detroit did win over 60% of the faceoffs. Let's get to the shootout, though, where Jonathan Huberto would score. First, it was the one and only goal in the shootout, as Nyquist, Nielsen, and Larkin could not cash in for Detroit. Barkoff missed on the other opportunity for Florida, but Florida would get the win. The win going to James Reimer, who got the start. Uh, proved to 8-7 and seven on the year, as... Actually, he started the second period. He came out in relief of Roberto Luongo, who only got five of eight first-period shots, again, in a game where Detroit looked good early, couldn't sustain the lead, and end up dropping the game to the Florida Panthers. All right, let's move it along. That was Monday, Tuesday. We go to Wednesday. This was a game Walt and I were able to get together as the Wings would play the Best team in the Pacific, the Calgary Flames. A 5-3 to three affair for the Flames. But again, after one, Detroit would lead 2 nothing. Darren Helm comes back and scores a goal uh, on a great move to the net. Uh, it was assisted by Andreas Athanasiou at 13-14. And this is what, what we talked about with the Wings as well. Helm scores in his first game back. Yes, it's only his second of the year. But the Wings just don't have the depth to To be able to absorb injuries right now, and in getting a guy back like Helm, look out—he scores in his first game back at seventeen nineteen. Jacob De La Rose would get his third as a wing, as it would be assisted from Michael Rasmussen and uh, Nick Johnson on just a mad scramble in front of the net at seventeen nineteen. And Detroit would skate off after one on top, two nothing. But the Flames would come rolling back like they always do, or I should say, like like teams have done against Detroit. Uh, Sean Monahan would get his 22nd of the year from Lindholm and Goudreau. Get ready to hear the name Goudreau a lot. Brody then maybe a backbreaker at 17. What could have potentially been a backbreaker, I should say, at 17:59 of that period, um, a point shot that it looked harmless until you again the the replay in the building. You think, wow, how does Howard miss that? How does that happen? And you just you're floored. You can't believe it. And all of a sudden, it's just. It, 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 and you're like, well, how, does, how does that happen? Well, then you get to finally see on the ninth replay shown in the building that, oh, yeah, Puck was definitely tipped down. Howard was kind of moving right. Puck gets redirected down right. You could see the arc kind of flow down on it. At least I thought I could. Walt agreed that it, definitely a redirection in front. Still counts as a goal all the same as Brody got his fourth. He let it go, so it must have hit a red wing in front. At 1759, Goudreau and Lindholm would assist, and we were locked up at 2. Then at 18:23, Andreas Athanasiou using the speed, getting in on a breakaway, getting slash and getting a penalty shot. And then on his penalty shot after he was unable to cash in on the original play, he will score on a nice kick, uh fake leg kick and slide it through five hole, and Andreas Athanasiou's 14th of the year would end up making it a 3 to 2 affair. Detroit though could not get off the ice at 3 to 2. They commit a penalty on, on some really what was some really questionable calls in that game. Horonic got a charging minor. Actually, the Hironic penalty was not. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Horonic clearly two feet off the ice as he jumped into a hit. So that one was not much question to it. And on the power play, Elias Lindholm would score at 1901. Detroit struggled on the penalty kill all night. Giordano and Goudreau would assist. Third assist of the period for Goudreau. And we would skate off after three, after two. At 3-3. Three three. And at 9.37, on the power play, Johnny Goudreau, who just seemed to be all over the ice in every shift he was out there, you seemed to notice him. He would get his 22nd of the year from Kachuk and Monahan on the power play. 9.37, Detroit had a couple of really good chances late, but would have been unable to cash in. And then Michael Froelich from Janikowski, uh, Jankowski and Ryan at 19.42 would be the empty net goal and the flames would go on to beat the wings. Now if there's anything good that can be taken from this game, again, 2 for 5 on the power play and it looked dangerous all the rest of them the wings only had the one power play. Wings played a good game. You know, it it's it's yes they lost, yes they blew a lead, but they're also playing the best team in the one of the best teams in the West. Uh the best team in the Pacific and they held their own. They really did. They looked good. They did not look like they were ever going to be run out of the arena. They just didn't have an answer for Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, at the end of the day, the whole thing comes down to the fact that they just could not stop Johnny Goudreau. He was fantastic in the game, and as a result, he led he he put Calgary on their back, on his back, I should say, and carried him to the victory. And that's that's an accomplishment, and that's a credit to him for that. And uh, but Detroit stayed in it and didn't didn't look out of place, didn't get blown out of the Little Caesars and. You know They'd end up losing the game, though, in regulation, no points in it. Let's take us to Friday night where they would bring in another of the West's best team, and that's the Nashville Predators. And Nashville, we talked about some of their injuries. They're all back, though. Um, They were back in the lineup, or I should say Arvidsson had back, and I believe Subban was also in the lineup. And I know I mentioned in a show earlier uh, a few weeks back that Turris was in the lineup, was back. It looks like he did not play against Detroit. But, um, you know, this is still that pretty good, actually really good Nashville Predator team. And Detroit this time would get the victory. Jimmy Howard would beat Pika Rene. Howard would get three of 30. Rene would get four of 39 in an overtime win. It started, though, PK Subban getting his third of the year at seventeen thirty-six, And Detroit would skate off down one to nothing. Ecom and Grimaldi would get the assist. And as we said, Nashville would lead one nothing after one. Craig Smith then would get his twelfth at three oh one from Ellis and Yossi of the second period. Big moment in this game. Right after that, a Nashville goal that was counted good on the ice ended up getting overturned um, due to goaltender interference. So instead of going up three nothing, it would end up just being staying at two 0 nothing. So in between the three oh one mark and then at four twenty four, Athanasou would get his fifteenth. From um, Hironik. So in between there, just that minute and 20 seconds, big turn in that game. Detroit could have been down 3-0. Instead, they were only down 2-1, and Andreas Athanasiou's 15th would do that. Then later on in that period, Dennis Chalowski would assist on Thomas Vanek's 7th. There really was no room to get it, but he found the room to get it in, and in game 1,000, Vanek would get his 7th of the year, thirteen thirty five. the time of it, and Detroit would get Back to even with the Preds through 20 minutes of play. Shots on goal. Detroit outshot Nashville 14-6 in the first. They were outshot only 11-12 in the second. So total shots 25-18 to in favor of the Red Wings through two periods of play. In the third period, Detroit would take the lead at 11:57 as Tyler Bertuzzi would get his 10th from Gustav Nyquist. And Detroit had an opportunity to get a victory in regulation over a really good team, break up a seven-game winless streak. It was not to be in regulation. Ryan Johansson gets his eighth at 1844 with the net empty. Kelly Yarncroke would get the assist, and we'd need extra time and in extra time. Philip Peronik would get it to Dylan Larkin, and Larkin would do the rest as Larkin has done four times in the extra sessions this year, scoring goals to win games on the three-on-three. They were actually four-on-three because Detroit had a power play. They couldn't do anything right, but they get it to Larkin, who backhands one home pass Rene, a victory for the Red Wings. Larkin, again, getting his 18th at 434 of the extra session. Final shots on goal, 38-30 for Detroit in favor of Detroit. The only shot on in the overtime session was the goal. And again, another stat here to keep an eye on. I like to keep an eye on this because Detroit's done so well. Um, In the faceoff circle, they won 61% of the draws in the game against the Predators. The number one star of that game was Larkin, who ended up playing just a hair under 23 minutes for the Red Wings. So with that, that takes us up to today. The Red Wings currently are through one period of play against the um, Washington Capitals down at Little Caesars Arena. 1-1 our score. As goals by Wilson for the Capitals and a goal by Mantha for the Red Wings, the uh, Capitals are on a power play and will start period two on the power play. Let's take a quick run through the division standings here, or, or the playoff picture as of today in the East. We've already kind of talked about it. The Metro has Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus, much like all of last year, up at the top there. In the Atlantic, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston would go one, two, three there. And right now, the Islanders and the Sabres would hold down the two wildcard spots. The two playoff teams from last year that would be out, New Jersey and Philadelphia, as they are continuing to free fall, Philly's already fired their coach. So that gives you an idea of where that is. As we said, Buffalo in in that second wildcard position with 50 points on the year. Detroit now currently sitting with 43 games played, one more than the Sabres, have 39 points on the year. So they are 11 points back, third from the bottom in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, I'd like to see him make him run. Gonna need Mike Green back to do so. Uh, Mike Green just so important to this Red Wing team. I don't think most pl- team players knew it, or most people knew it. Um, some silly stat about the Wings just being like two and fifteen and one or something like that on the year without Mike Green. If I don't, they're obviously not, not gonna be any sort of late runs. But if you have a a dream of a late run going to have to get Mike Green back and healthy and going to have to stay healthy up front. Really, it's it's a nine-team race for the eight playoff positions, I think. As, as we said, the two wildcard teams at 50, Montreal hanging in there. They have 49 points in 42 games played. After that, Carolina's next. Only 41 games played, 43 points. Six back of a, of Montreal, seven back of a playoff spot. Um, they're 6-4-0 in their last 10, but guess what? Montreal's 6-4-0, Buffalo's 3-5-2, which is how they got caught, and the Islanders are 9-1, and so... Carolina does have a big game coming up against the Islanders to see if they can make up ground, but it's almost looking like, unless somebody gets white hot, that uh, the eight teams are known. It's just one spot really could be up for grabs, depending on what Montreal does, and would it shock anybody if, if Montreal kind of fell off? Probably not. Meanwhile, in the West, Nashville, Winnipeg, Dallas, running the Central Division. Nashville with 53, In 43 played. Winnipeg with 52 in 40 played. The Stars with 48 in 42 games played, leading the Central Division. So the Jets have a real chance to kind of take over for Nashville, who's just had to deal with just a ton of injuries this year. But the Predators currently, um, as they are just 3-5-2 in their last 10... But they did get the victory 4-1 over Montreal as they look to get the ship righted and try to get healthy, as now Forsberg and Turris are the two players out. In the Pacific, as we've mentioned a couple of times tonight, uh, Calgary leading the pack 56 points in 43 games. How about this? The Vegas Golden Knights got off to the rocky start. They're up to second in the Pacific. They're only two points behind Calgary. Calgary does have the game in hand, but the Vegas Golden Knights got the ship righted. They are 7-1-2 and 2 in their last 10. And boy, they were, everybody thought, one year fluke. Well, it doesn't look like they're going away anytime quick. San Jose, another team that struggled out of the gate, but they have gotten their ship righted as they have 53 points in a very log jam uh, at the top of the Pacific. Uh, San Jose, with obviously Burns and Vlasic and Carlson, they are as dangerous as any team out there uh, with 53 points in the 43 games played. The wild card spots are currently being held by Colorado and Anaheim, Colorado with 48 points, Anaheim with 45, Colorado 3-5 and 2, just like Anaheim in their last 10. That's how those teams have probably fallen out of division leading positions and into wild card chance uh, spots. Really a couple of teams still with chances, though, out there uh, in the West. Vancouver with 44 points. Obviously, they're going to need Pedersen back after going 5-5 five and five in, in their last 10. But if they can get him back, anything's possible. Only one point out of a playoff spot. But they've played three more games. They've played 45 games, while Colorado and Anaheim have each only played 42. Minnesota only having played 40 games. They have 43 points. So if they could win their two games in hand, they jump to 47 and would be in and Edmonton clinging four points back two teams ahead of them and just to get into the wild card but in counter you trust if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan the Oilers got the nice little bump when um Ken Hitchcock took over looked like that's going to kind of fall apart is uh, kind of free-falling a little bit as now Edmonton just 2-7 and 1 in their last 10 games played Arizona 37 they are 8 points out um with their 37 points the Kings also with 37. The Hawks also with 37. And St. Louis currently at the bottom of the West, nine points out of a playoff position, as they sit at the bottom of the Western Conference with 36 points. One final check in here at Little Caesars Arena as the two teams are let's see still not back yet. Boy, it seems like it's been a really long intermission. Let's see if we got anything up here. Nope, still sitting at the end of one. Uh, with Detroit and the Capitals all locked up at one apiece. Alrighty, folks, it's been just an absolute pleasure, and we thank uh, the folks here at Podcast Detroit for uh, allowing Walt and I to, to do shows here for the last couple of years. We're just going to take a break. I, 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 it's not, you know, it's we're not over Walt. It's actually good reasons. Walt got a nice little uh, professional life, gets a gets an improvement, and he just prioritize and making sure everything that is is in the right way there. And I just don't feel like I'm bringing you the best show possible by myself. So we're going to step aside for now. Uh, Hopefully we can get something together um, for next season and be back, bringing you all the news and notes from around the NHL. But this is pretty much going to uh, wrap it up for our on air shows on podcast Detroit for the remainder of this season. We are going to keep our Facebook page live and active So uh, follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com backslash in the box Um, can, we'll continue to make updates and news and notes and just throw the, so throw some various uh, things up there that we see. Maybe we'll go, uh, we've talked, we've talked about it before going live after playoff games and give you a little recap. Again, that's in the box, the show, Um, www.facebook.com backslash in the box, the show um, on Facebook. We'll keep that page going and make sure you um, follow us on Facebook so you can find out when and if we're going to be able to come back, get back on air. So, folks, it's been been an enjoyable ride. Going to not talk to you the remainder of this season, at least here at Podcast Detroit. And then hopefully we'll be in touch with you next year. You take care. This is Thomas signing off for In the Box one final time here at Podcast Detroit.